0: to today's episode on the podcast. How are you? I hope you're doing as good as you can on this very fine day. I am so excited about today's podcast guest. She's an incredible clinical nurse specialist, and I'll introduce her to you in a moment. But before I do so, I want to say thank you for everyone who writes lovely messages of thanks about the podcast every week to us. This week, we had a great message of someone saying, I just feel like coming home when I listen to the episodes all of the experts really get me and that is just music to my ears because I try so hard to bring you the experts that are the most relevant to you and I really want to bring you experts to have an open mind and grow with this menopause conversation because a few years ago no one spoke about the menopause much especially not within the cancer setting and so I think Together, we're really getting the ball rolling so that more of us can have support. And our podcast guest today, Andrea Wart, is exactly one of those people that will absolutely get you. She gets her patients. She works in a combined role as a Macmillan Breast Care Clinical Nurse Specialist and a nurse practitioner. And she's the team leader for an amazing breast care nurse team at York and Scarborough NHS Trust. And she's been a specialist nurse for over 20 years. I really want to know and understand from Andrea what we can expect from a clinical nurse, at what point in our treatment, and what help is available for us when treatment, active treatment is finished. So I can't wait to dive into the conversation. Another message of thanks we've had this week is for this person who said, yeah, Danny, I just want you to read a few more poems. You've read poems uh, quite a while ago, and I really enjoy your poems." And yeah, no, I read poems in yoga and I just love reading quotes and positive affirmations. But I'm sometimes a little bit cautious about reading them on here because I think, are you all sitting at home rolling your eyes (laughs) at me for being just a bit quirky and reading my poems? But I've got a short poem for you and I'm going to read it to you now because it reminds me of this coming home um, message. It's by a poet called Tanya Markle and it goes like so. I sip sweet tea with my fear and pick flowers with my anger. I soak my sadness in sunlight and my hopelessness in salt water. I let myself be a home to all of me. And I just think it's wonderful to think that we can allow ourselves to be a home to all of us, that we're not too much for ourselves and that all of us is good enough exactly how we are. And it's a great way to start the conversation with the fantastic Andrea, who really gets her patients exactly as they are. Hello, Andrea, and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well. I'm excited to chat to you today because we don't, or I don't think I have spoken to a clinical nurse specialist on the podcast today. And I know how vital and how crucial your role is into improving how we feel as patients. Like I called all of my nurses angels. They were so amazing. Oh. And I, ho- I hope you know how important you are for us. So thank well, you. Well,
1: that, that's a really nice thing to say. And it's an amazing privilege to be here talking to you. How did this
0: chat come about? Let me know, let everyone know why you contacted us and yeah, what stirred that interest?
1: Well, I guess I, I love a podcast. I've got really into those, especially walking the dog. It's amazing what you can learn and listen to, isn't it, while you're out and about. And I came across your podcast because I'm interested in the menopause and I'm interested in cancer um, and listened to a few and really, really got into listening to them and started recommending them to the patients that I look after. And there was a particular episode that I got in touch with you about. In fact, it was somebody that had phoned in, I think, a patient that had been on Tamoxifen. Uh, And was struggling with side effects, and she'd contacted her breast care nurse. And what she'd taken from that conversation with the breast care nurse was really that was no option. Samoxifen was her treatment, and that was that. And I felt really upset about that because I think there always are options, and it was made me cross really that this lady had felt shut down by by the breast care nurse, that she couldn't discuss it further, and. Yeah, I feel strongly that that's not the way to go. I really, really want us all to be able to engage with patients and people to feel that we're approachable, that they can talk to us about their difficulties and worries because that's what we're there for, basically. That is the essence of our job, to support people. And I think if if we can't discuss those sort of issues, patients will probably stop taking the medication. They'll make their own mind up about things. And, you know, that's just not good enough, is it? So that's why I got in touch with you to say I wanted to really encourage people to approach their breast care team Breast care nurse team that we're really there to support them, and we want to we want to be on board discussing these issues with them because they're massive, aren't they? They are massive. So, where do you work, Andrea? In what setting? So, I work in a hospital. I'm based at a hospital in York with quite a big breast care nurse team, and we also cover well a big part of North Yorkshire, Scarborough and Bridlington, the whole of of that large area really. But we're based in York, and the breast screening program is based there as well. So. I'm part of a big team um, with fantastic breast care nurses and uh, clinical assistants and um, we've all got different skill sets really and we hope we offer a really good service to our patients. So most patients we see in the hospital setting, uh, we run clinics at the other smaller hospitals as well and we do lots and lots of online support and telephone support but of course yes. we always love to, love to see people face to face if we can
0: like I often say I had really really good care and support and help and and education going through and managing my own transition into surgically onset menopause but I also know that people feel really under supported but I know there are so yeah. many people out there like you who are doing such an amazing job which is why I'm so grateful that we get to have this conversation today so that we can maybe teach others in a similar role of maybe the questions they can ask or how we can spark other people's interest to put the menopause conversation on the map. That's all I'm asking for really, isn't it? At what point in someone's care do you meet the breast cancer patient or the cancer patient when perhaps you would discuss something like tamoxifen or how difficult it is for people to navigate
1: their symptoms? Um, I mean, it's definitely up for discussion right from the off and we meet patients before or or as they're diagnosed. So we're either involved in the diagnostic process or we meet them when they're diagnosed um, with breast cancer. And I know that's the same with other clinical nurse specialists that work with other cancer, cancer tumour sites. It may be mentioned then as part of the treatment for breast cancer. If you've got an estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, then the treatment is often to give you medication to which results in inducing a menopause or actually we want to induce the menopause as part of the treatment to reduce the risk of the cancer coming back. So it's probably discussed at some, to some extent then I think the bigger discussion at the time when we talk about it a lot more is perhaps after patients have had their initial treatment, particularly if surgery is the initial treatment. And then we're talking about adjuvant treatments, helping treatments after the surgery. And so many patients, about 70% of patients with breast cancer, for sure we're, we're either inducing a menopause as part of the treatment or it's almost a a side effect of the medications that we've given people horrible menopause symptoms. So at that point, we'd be having a much more lengthy discussion and trying to help people find a way through. I think, I don't know what your experience has been and and the listeners, but I think quite often the oncologists and the surgeons feel that the bulk of the treatment is done. And then we're putting on some medication that results in menopause symptoms and they are not always fully aware of how difficult (laughs) It is to take that medication. I think they say, right, well, that's that now. You know, the main part of your treatment's finished, so you just need to take this tablet for the next 10 years. And it can be played down, can't it, a bit. But in fact, it's a massive thing, isn't it? An absolutely massive thing. And, yeah, we really want to get engaged with people about that. So I guess that's the first time we have a lengthy discussion about it. But one of the most important, definitely the most important part of of being a breast cancer is encouraging patients to engage with them, trying to find innovative ways of making contact, trying to find out their concerns, because people don't want to bother you, do they? They have this feeling that you're busy and and you haven't got time for things like that. But in fact, that absolutely is what we've got time for. And things like that, living with and beyond a diagnosis of cancer of any sort is what we want to be involved in supporting people with, trying to get back to whatever, I mean, people keep using the term the new normal, but that is a bit what it's like, you know, trying to enjoy your life, trying to get the most out of life after this horrible thing's happened to you. Yeah. um because at first
0: when you engage people into the conversation it will go out in one ear and out the other ear because all you're yeah. going to do is surviving and you're going to have most people will take any treatment that is offered to them because we're so scared and worried and anxious and, and fearful that we're not really going to say oh give me a month I'm going to do my research I get back to you if I want no. my surgery or not right <laughs> so that's not how it works we're all yeah m- most people are just going to embark on that treatment and then it's often months and perhaps years later that we think, hang on a minute, I'm still feeling really rubbish.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And at that
0: point, we might not say to our oncologist, they might be long gone, they might be one Mm. yearly follow-up. So then it's
1: you, isn't it? It is, it is. Yeah, Yeah. I was just going to go back a tiny bit because yeah, when you're first diagnosed and given the diagnosis of of cancer, like you say, you, you just feel really anxious. You just want to live, don't you? And you would actually sign up for anything at that point, over is out, anything removed just to live. And it's as time goes on and you realise you're not going to get back to the person you were before that, yeah, these issues, they need to be addressed, don't they? It's, yeah. As do, say, you, it's do you feel, things.
0: do you feel you know it all? Do you think your patients are really honest with you? Because we know, for example, so many people stop some of the anti-endocrine treatments and you never know. Doctors, I know. Nurses, a, and so
1: mm. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? It's a big percentage that stop. And when we have, um, we've, we've, set up we hope improve systems in communicating with people and I think all cancer sites offer patients holistic needs assessments at key points during after diagnosis when they have had their initial treatment um, um, and about a year after they finished their main treatment and the idea of those is to find out all the worries patients have so we try and offer that early on as I say, soon after they're diagnosed, and people can be having issues with the menopause, then can't they? They've naturally gone into the menopause, they're having a hideous time, they're on HRT. Maybe we're saying you've got to, you know, we'd recommend that you stop taking that. So we try and get alongside them at that point. And then, and during those holistic needs assessment, when we're talking about issues they've got we're constantly saying you've got an open door to us we want to know about these things and then that is repeated again once they finish their initial treatment be it surgery and chemotherapy or or surgery and radiotherapy or combination of everything and then after a year after diagnosis when at the point when they've had perhaps a scan to follow-up or a mammogram or whatever we have an what we call an end of treatment consultation with them and that's a a quite a long appointment and we're specifically asking them about issues to do with the menopause you know all the all the issues related to sexual issues, hot flushes, bone health, mental health and we have a long period of time you know as much as is needed during that consultation to talk at length about those issues and how we can address them. Is this
0: something that you have to address. Like, I'm not sure how it works if you are a nurse in your role. Do you sort of get a script and it tells no. you these are the things you need to tick off the list to ask your patient and then you've done your job? Or does it not work like that? No, it doesn't
1: work like that. And that's probably one of the difficult things, isn't it? Because it's, yeah, it's, it's relies a little bit on your team's interest in that area. It shouldn't yes. be like that, should it? It shouldn't be like that. Everybody should have expertise in all these areas that are relevant. But it, sadly, I don't think it is like that. Yeah.
0: So if you don't ask me the question about uh, do you have problems with your vagina, how is your sexual health, Uh, do you have uh, urinary problems, I might not say those to you as a patient because I might think actually I'm here, they've helped me survive, my libido is
1: rubbish Nowhere
0: but, rubbish yeah. and I can't really have sex or intercourse because it hurts yeah it's more likely that it won't come up in
1: a conversation isn't it if you
0: don't ask it me. is
1: it is I mean we know we need to ask about it for sure it takes a huge amount of courage to bring that subject up yourself doesn't it with a health professional it's definitely yeah. up to your health professionals to address it but we know that that doesn't happen widely don't we just listening yeah. to your podcast we know that people don't have the opportunity to discuss it but you know As breast care care nurses, it absolutely is our role to address that. It's a vital part of our role. Um, And with all the other cancer sites as well, the the specialist nurses should be addressing those issues for sure.
0: So how big a problem do you think out of all of the other late effects, like I've got lymphedema, for example, Mm -hmm. that is a late effect of my cancer treatment of my particular surgery I had but then maybe menopause is similar. You could compare it, isn't it? It's something as a result of our treatment and it goes on and on and on. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And sometimes 10 years later, you're still dealing with something. How big a late effect do you think the menopause is from all the patients that uh, you see?
1: I would say massive. It's the biggest late effect, isn't it? Because once you've, once your ovaries have been switched off, basically, they, you know, they're not going to recover, are they? And you're going to be living the rest of your life in menopause. People often talk about getting through the menopause, don't they? Even naturally, I'll well, get through the menopause. You actually don't go get through it. Even if you have not had any cancer treatment, you go into the menopause naturally. You just sort of adjust to it, really. You don't get over it. So you never get oestrogen back again, do you? Unless you take it artificially. So it definitely is a huge thing. And if you're plunged into it because of treatment, either removal of your ovaries or switching them off, using treatments or taking aromatose inhibitors or tamoxifen it's a sudden onset thing it just plunges you into instant menopause it's a huge issue and it definitely is unaddressed in many ways i think and not not addressed enough so definitely something i want to see addressed more and it would be fantastic if every area had a menopause specialist on a menopause clinic somebody had special interest in it and that all patients could be booked into that clinic to discuss it because it does affect everybody.
0: I would love to work on a CPD course for clinical nurse specialists, something that you actually
1: get your points for, however this works for you. I wonder whether one day we can do something. (laughs) That's a really good idea, Danny. We should definitely should. Yeah, it's a definite unaddressed need. It is. So the story that you were
0: referring to at the beginning of our conversation where a woman went to her breast care team and she actually plucked up the courage from listening to the podcast Mm. and said I'm really struggling on tamoxifen I I don't think I can do this very much longer and she was basically just told to just get on with it that Mm. is her treatment what would you how would you handle a conversation like that
1: I mean I would try and find out the symptoms she's having I think I'd maybe suggest she had a few weeks off to see if those symptoms resolve because it's quite often we can blame drugs for symptoms that actually aren't being caused by them. And if you have a short break, you know, it's not going to do any harm as far as long-term cancer survival goes, but it might just make you realize you're having some of those symptoms anyway, or if they completely resolve, then you really need to look at other alternative option for her, don't you? Whether it's non-medical help, depending on the problem she's having really that, um, you know, non-medical help with lubricants mindfulness sessions all the other non-medical stuff you can do or adding in a low dose of an antidepressant or thinking of a different way of of switching off the ovaries and trying different medication so often now we give people uh, an implant to switch their ovaries off and then they could have an aromatase inhibitor there are always other options including the option not to take it and that's what some women take into their their own hands don't they? they think I cannot go on like this I'm just not going to take it and we would much rather talk to them about it before they do that because often there are other options and if they still decide to do that it's, it's better for us to know isn't it it really is you know yeah. people are f- people are free to take medication or not but it, it's often helpful to talk through the issues and mm. there are other always other options there are I feel people always
0: worry that they might be judged because you do such a great job and you are under such huge pressures and you give us access to these medications that can reduce our risks of recurrence. So by asking you loads of questions about how you can change it and mix it up, but also even bringing to you that I might not be able to do this for any longer Mm. is it almost comes with a burden, a guilt it's, I, it, it does. I think yeah, it, does it takes counselling almost, doesn't it? It takes the conversation almost into like a counselled conversation that needs to happen.
1: It does, and I think we need to give give people permission by asking about it, don't we? To you know, they are difficult drugs to take. We need to give people permission. and We want to encourage them to talk about it and tell us the problems they're having, so that we, without feeling guilty, honestly. Getting diagnosed with cancer of any sort is absolute rubbish, isn't it? And, you know, not being able to get back to what you thought you were before is, is awful. Um, and you want to have a quality of life. You've got, you know, hopefully you've got many years ahead of you. You want to have a good quality of life. You probably don't want to be creaking about feeling depressed, struggling to do things with your children, struggling to be active. You know, it's, it has wide ranging impacts, doesn't it, on all areas of your life. And mm. we would really, really encourage people to come and talk to us about it. And, you know, you've talked to lots of people on your podcast, haven't you, people who decide to take HRT alongside um, tamoxifen or aromatase inhibitors. You know, there are other things that can be done to to make life better, yeah. to try and keep you as safe as possible.
0: I mean, it's not a lot of people, but I had one lady on, Joe, and I really wanted mm. her voice to be heard, because often um, these people would message privately in the group, yes. for example. And so that tells me that they feel that they will be judged by other people. But these people exist. And so I really want their voices to be heard as well, because why should we shut off the conversation just because it's not suitable to perhaps 99% of everyone else? That 1% has a voice. And yeah.
1: Why should we shut the conversation down we and shouldn't. I- we shouldn't. We should be absolutely encouraging it, shouldn't we? Because the more that we talk about it, the better options are going to be available. The more people will feel they can discuss it. I think. But
0: do you feel
1: that people can ask you that question? Do some patients come into a big,
0: busy, NHS setting and say, "I'm struggling. I, I think I need HRT. I've had an oestrogen-driven cancer. Probably less so, I imagine.
1: A- less so. I think that's a difficult sort of scenario, isn't it? And that's why we try to have this personalised follow-up with patients, where we're making contact with them at key points to discuss all these issues and, and to ask them you know we're often on the phone doing that or although if they want to come in and do it one-to-one we're really happy to do that but yeah we've, we've found if we're talking to people at home like I'm talking to you or, or just on the phone you know they are often it's, sometimes it's easier to disclose things when you're not looking people in the eye isn't it and you can uh-huh. you know you can mention all these things that you might be embarrassed to mention to your oncologist when you're sitting opposite them um, yeah. yeah, you know we we have found a huge increase in we're in contact and there's or discussions that we're having about switching endocrine therapy or adding in extra things to make it more bearable. It's something we're talking to patients about several times a day. I would say several patients a day, um, and that's every, brilliant, every day. isn't it? It because is. Those
0: are exactly the conversations we want to help along, and we want more people to yeah. have those conversations. Yes, you have the conversation with the patient. Do your doctors that you work with,
1: the oncologists and the surgeons, are they as aware? of how big we think the problem is? I don't think so, no, I don't think so. I mean, you'll be aware, I'm sure it's the same for you and and many, many patients that follow-ups changed, hasn't it? Traditionally, people were seen every six months or every year for five years or so. I I mean, there possibly wasn't a huge amount of value in that in a way, because that was just a bit of, how are you and okay, see you again in a year, but that's changed totally, hasn't it? So once you finish your oncology treatment, usually you are discharged from the oncology team, and the surgeons surgeons don't see you again after your surgery usually do they unless you're having reconstruction or extra extra operations done um, usually you're passed to the clinical nurse specialist so really it's it's become our role and and my team in particular really wanted to uh you know pick up on it and we we've, we've definitely become aware you know it's a much bigger issue it's it's not been addressed properly by the NHS so we we're particularly thinking that it's our role now uh, and you know uh, hoping to have at least one of us uh, enhance our skills in this area maybe think about setting up a, a menopause clinic um, that would be amazing because really that's what you do in your follow-ups anyway isn't it it's yeah, a big it part is. of your
0: conversation it's the menopause conversation and so it it's is. just
1: packaging it up and actually giving it the importance that it deserves it is, and just making sure that everybody can access it, that it's almost, you know, it's part of your treatment to have that addressed rather than just something that comes up if you if you screw up the courage to mention it yourself. You know, it needs to be something yeah. that's brought up by us. And because the treatment inducing a menopause has become longer, hasn't it? People are often on medication for 10 years now. So that's an awful long period of time, isn't it, to be feeling substandard, really? And Yeah, and it, it's always dumbfounded me to think, wow, someone's dreaming up all these treatments
0: and they're amazing, right? Like people said, tamoxifen has been such a game changer in how we treat breast cancer and aromatase inhibitors. And it's putting you into this state of menopause. And then no one's kind of thought, how do we help these women have a good quality of life whilst we do so?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. It's a life-changing thing, isn't it? To be suddenly made menopausal. And then if, if you feel you've just got to get on with it, which I think a lot of women do, it's yeah. very very hard, and and there are lots of things available, aren't there? And hopefully, the more we, the more noise we make about it, the more things will become available to make life better for people.
0: Absolutely, there are so many nurses now, and other doctors and oncologists that listen to the podcast because I think they are also realizing, wow, yeah, this is a huge unaddressed area that we haven't yeah. really given the thought to. What could we give them as an advice? Where could they start to sort of improve perhaps patients' care in their teams in in their wards? because how did you go about it? Like I know you say you're all into it and you're already <laughs> interested <laughs> but
1: well there was I suppose partly what triggered I've always been interested in it for a while, but partly what triggered off the big change for us was we were busier and busier and busier. I felt that within our team, which was all breast care nurses at that point, um, and just uh, one person helping us with some admin, I felt there was lots of things that we did that could be done by somebody else that would free us up to work at top spec in a way. And we did a big piece of work with Matt Millen, which came out of some work that they'd done really looking at unaddressed needs. So we did almost a deep dive into what we do every day as clinical nurse specialists, it was a, a big thing to do for us and, and some of my team found it a little bit threatening because it, you know, we found out actually a lot of the stuff we did was admin type things that could be done by somebody else, as I say, and it would free us up to do other work with patients, really, and meet unaddressed needs. So it came out of that and we made a big change within the team. So some people were due to retire some clinical nurse specialists. It's actually not enough clinical nurse specialists, so we made quite a big decision to employ two um, assistant practitioners and then, in fact, we got a service manager in as well a, a year later to take on a lot of this work, take a lot of this work offers, and that freed the clinical up to, to specialise in certain areas and to really focus on patient interactions and not be doing all this other stuff, which could actually be done. Turns out could be done a lot better by other people rather than yeah. nurses. So really it was a win-win for us. We've got fantastic other team members who are very, very skilled in interacting with patients but and also just supporting us in doing the role we're doing and that left us free to be able to do these end of treatment consultations with patients uh, address specific problems that come out of the holistic needs assessment and really think about addressing the needs that, that patients have that that weren't addressed before so it, it came out of that actually and I'm I'm so lucky with my team and that they're all really really enthusiastic and we're all always wanting to look to the future and, you know, make things better for patients. So it's come out of that, really. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's, you know, I I think there are many people out there listening who might have had a really good experience with their clinical nurse Mm specialist and the whole team. And for anyone who is listening to this thinking, I have not had this level of care, and I have not had the opportunity to talk to someone I think for now it's really good to know that you all exist and such brilliant people and services are out there because we know if we can model ourselves or other teams onto what is happening with you, for example, then we know we can improve patients' care all around. What's even what's much harder is when we know when we can't don't have a model anywhere, when we don't know what we can copy, but it works. You do an incredible job, and there is so much help and support out there. So we know it's possible. And I think that's the key here.
1: Yes, I mean, I think we're definitely not perfect. And, you know, there's always more and more things we want to do. But, yeah, things have definitely improved, I think. And and the take-home message for patients that are struggling with anything is just to get in touch with the specialist nurse team, for sure. That, you know, don't put up with being fogged off, definitely. Actually, most of my colleagues across the country will be fantastic and will want to engage with people. But if if you feel you're not getting the answer you want, ask to speak to another member of the team. You know, there will be somebody there that is particularly interested in the menopause and helping you move forward and yeah i'll just encourage encourage people to get in touch we that's our job to help you so please do it
0: and you have gone above and beyond for even contacting me for you know i had to ask you a few times please come on the podcast please oh. come on the
1: podcast i'd love to talk to you and you've gone above and beyond to really share your expertise with everyone thank you so much andrea oh no it's a pleasure i've learned so much from listening to your podcast it's fantastic and we absolutely recommend it to to all our patients we run a moving forward course for patients uh-huh. which about a year it runs a year after diagnosis this is a specific uh, course for patients that have had breast cancer supported by breast cancer now but i know that there's other moving forward type courses for other cancer sites and that is a that can be done online or it can be run locally with patients and one of the sessions on that is an Ask the Nurse session, which myself and my colleagues go and do. And the menopause is always the biggest subject discussed at that. And uh, that's really, really great. Because there's often quite a lot of patients there or pe- ladies there discussing the menopause. And um, it definitely is becoming yeah easier to discuss, I think, and people are probably feeling more able to, to discuss things about yeah. it. Yeah.
0: do um at, uh, do all of your um patients know about the moving forward courses oh, yeah we, that gets offered to everyone at the end oh, of yeah
1: we, we actually invite everybody um because it, How you amazing, get so much yeah. information don't you up front and lots of stuff it's difficult to process what you need to do so we make it almost a compulsory part of their follow-up really i mean obviously nobody has to go but we really recommend it strongly and the people that do attend find it really really helpful Um Fantastic. as i say you, you can just book yourself in online nationally by looking at breast cancer now but we invite them, to, you know, to come face to face to sessions we run in York and in Scarborough.
0: Fantastic! And I know that I'll...
1: other tumour sites will have similar things.
0: You can ask me any time, and I'll come and host a menopause conversation with your patients. Perfect! <laughs> that would be great.
1: <laughs> right, another job to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> thank you, Andrea. Great to chat.
1: Really nice to talk to you. Thank you, and thank you for everything you do. Much appreciated. Thank you.
0: I hope this conversation has been helpful and I think Andrea's message is so clear. Please try and speak to your clinical nurse specialist. They're there for you to talk to them. And I love how passionate she is about enabling us to have these conversations. Now, I also know reality is not always as rosy. And I know from many of you who are in our Facebook community or who write to us that they have tried and their conversations were shut down. And of course, that is upsetting to hear. But if I took away anything from this conversation with Andrea, is to keep trying, keep trying, um, and keep trying. And if anyone is out there and listening to this, and you have an idea of how we could pull off to create a further development course for nurses, uh, a CPD for nurses, where we can really talk about the nitty-gritty of menopause once you've had a cancer diagnosis, then reach out to me. Perhaps we can do it through my new not-for-profit menopause and cancer community interest company. I'd love to get involved. I'm happy to organise the project. Not that I need more things on my to-do list, but if you're out there, if you're a healthcare professional, and if you think, yes, we want to put menopause for people with a cancer diagnosis on the map, then reach out to me. I have lots of offers from doctors sometimes who want to help. And so maybe we can rope a whole team in and pull something amazing off so that more people have clinical nurse specialists that are as awesome as Andrea. And with that, I love you and leave you all of you. Please, please, please follow the show. I'm going to keep asking you now because some of the really big podcasts I listen to myself every single week, they ask their millions and millions of people on their big audiences. So I I think i just do the same <laughs> from now onwards. And thank you so much for tuning in and chat to you
1: next week.